Hey guys, and welcome to the Pacing Racing Podcast Experience, the Canadian triathlon podcast made in mind for the age group triathletes. Now, today's guest is fellow Canadian, Jenna Seafried. So this episode is going to be extra special because Jenna has an incredible story that led her into triathlon that will resonate with so many listeners. And she also brings on some amazing stories from the Super League Triathlon through coaching with MX Endurance. Now, for those who don't know, MX Endurance is a global endurance network of triathletes, coaches, professionals, dietitians, and I mean, essentially anyone and everyone to help make your triathlon journey more successful and enjoyable. Now, through MX Endurance, Jenna has had some incredible all-access stories of the fun times, the camaraderie, and the shenanigans that goes on in the amazing Super League and shines light that it's not only just one of the best triathlon series in the world, but it's also probably one of the best team building and fun experiences in the sport as well. So I'm excited to talk about a number of topics in this podcast today, like how she lost over 50 pounds getting into triathlon, her experiences winning the ITU Long Distance Championships in 2017, her experiences in the Super League, her Ventum bike setup, and her nutrition, and so much more. So I won't keep you guys here any longer. Enjoy the podcast, and let's cue the music. So today's episode is brought to you by our two sponsors who I'm beyond humbled and excited to represent. The first one is Scody. Now, I'm excited to work with Scody and represent them because I've always been back and forth between triathlon suits and triathlon apparel as there's just so many different styles and quality out there and price ranges are obviously a huge factor for me. So Scody's always been an eye catcher and you may have heard some of your favorite triathletes and cyclists like Triathlon Taren and Melissa Hoschild are huge Scody supporters. So let me break it down what separates Scody from the other triathlon apparel that I've tried in the past. Now, first off, the range of apparel they have is simply amazing. They have cycling jerseys, bibs for men and women. They have running shirts, jackets, singlets, shorts. And for triathletes, they honestly have some of the best designed triathlon suits and shorts I've ever seen. Now, they have designers at hand and can offer custom design apparel, which was another important factor for me because I wanted to create an amazing custom triathlon suit to represent pacing racing, and they definitely exceeded my expectations. Now, you can see the final product of that by searching my Instagram at pacing.and.racing. It's absolutely my favorite triathlon suit that I've worn yet, and I can't wait to represent it in my 2019 season. So lastly, the quality and price were another huge important factor for me. And the fact that I'm able to find an apparel and tri-suit brand that offers professional quality, but still offers it at a price that the average age grouper can afford is what sealed the deal. Now, all their apparel is pro-grade and wearing it, it won't chafe on long races and it won't suffer the wear and tear like many of the other cheaper products do that are on the market today. So for all you diehards out there, they also offer the customized ITU compliant suits. So if you guys want to check them out, you can find them on Instagram by searching at Scody Australia, which is spelled at S-E-O-D-Y-A-U-S, or go to www.scody.com slash pacing and racing. And of course, use the 10% off code pace and race. Or if you're on Facebook, you can search Scody Australia. Now, the second sponsor of today's show is Pro Triathlon Training that has been officially launched. I am super excited to be able to tell you all about it because I honestly feel this is the crowd that would benefit the most from it. Now, my good friend Triathlon Taren has released his website that is now live called Pro Triathlon Training. It is an online course that teaches you specialized training that makes you more proficient in swimming, cycling, and running. Now, I mean, what makes us so great is the instructors of the course are some of the best pros in the disciplines like Lucy Charles and Reese Barclay teaching swimming. You have Cameron Worf teaching cycling. You have Sarah and Ben True who teach the running aspect and they have strength training taught by Tim O'Donnell, Miranda Carfrey and Aaron Carson. I mean, it's an awesome course and I'm currently enrolled in myself and I love the content. And if you use the discount code PTTLAUNCH20, you'll get 20% off and this code is only available for a limited time. So definitely jump on that as soon as you can. And if you want to check that website out, you can find the link in my Instagram bio. And again, my Instagram bio is at pacing.an.racing. Thanks so much, Taryn, for making and creating content like this because we're all super big fans of this. And I think this would really benefit for a lot of people listening in today. So definitely check that out, guys. Other than that, enjoy the episode. So Jenna Seafried, how's it going? Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've, uh, I've actually been listening to you uh, on some of my long runs. So it's nice to actually 
chat with you in person. Awesome. No, that's good. It's good to hear we have some listeners. So <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> talking to myself. Perfect. <laughs> so we've been uh, back and forth quite a while now discussing a lot about the Super League, which has honestly been super exciting to talk about. And so we'll definitely dive into all that in just a moment. But I mean, before we do, let's sort of uh, give us a quick rundown on your story that got you into triathlon, first of all. And, and your background is you lost over 50 pounds and eventually you ended up winning in 2017, the ITU long distance championship. So, I mean, kind of where did it all start and, and uh, how did it go forward from there? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely been an interesting journey. I got into triathlon about, I guess about six years ago now. And, uh, like you said, I was kind of, I was always overweight as a kid. And then once I left school and started working an office job that did not get better. Um, but one day it was kind of, sometimes you have that moment where you realize something has to change. And for me, that was, I was getting ready for work one day and I noticed I had stretch marks on my thighs just from gaining so much weight after school, which was just insane that I'd kind of let it get that far. And that day walked into a gym that was down the street from my office and they happened to be starting a weight loss competition. Um, like the next week. <laughs> so I've always been competitive. I just sucked at sports. So I decided to jump on board with that. And yeah, ended up losing the weight through mostly weight training. Uh, not a lot of cardio at that point. And then ended up moving to a small town in Texas where I was just kind of looking for something to keep the weight off and for a way to meet people because I had to wait about six months for a work visa. Um, being a Canadian down in the US. So there happened to be a running club that started up there as well. Kind of once again, just kind of happenstance timing with some of these things that all lined up pretty well. And uh, yeah, joined the running club. And like many things I do, I kind of jumped in too much too soon. Uh, raced a half marathon about three months after I started running. <laughs> and then uh, started trying to train for a marathon, which was not the best <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> Um, ended up getting a pelvic stress fracture, unfortunately, which was not the most fun. That's one that you kind of have to stay still for a while. Um, and yeah, through that kind of my, my doctor said, if you want to stay active, you can do low impact things like swimming and biking. And at that time I had never actually swam 25 meters of a pool. I, I really took swimming lessons as a kid and didn't own a bice, uh, bicycle at all. So I kind of started working out at the gym using the spin bikes there and decided, okay, I'm going to try to do the swimming thing because there was a, a triathlon coming up, a little local triathlon, um, kind of the only one around the area. And all of the runners that I had met through the running club were doing it. So I was like, well, may as well try to stay active and fit doing this. And while I'm doing it, may as well train for a triathlon at the same time. So eventually the stress fracture healed and uh, kind of fell in love with the, the cycling part of it. The swimming I still still struggle with to this day. <laughs> Not drowning is a good swim for me. <laughs> that's good. Eh? Perfect. And that's, uh, that's crazy because, and you know what, I'd actually, I'd like to owe it to all the physiotherapists and the doctors who, anyone who has a running injury, they always send them to swim and bike. And it's funny because mm -hmm. I think that's how we just create triathletes. From, from runners of injuries. <laughs> yeah, a number of the athletes I work with now, it was some kind of running injury that led them to do some cross-training that led them to triathlon. <laughs> that's crazy, eh? Awesome. And that, like, I mean, that's such an incredible story too, right? Like, um, how was it losing the 50 pounds? Like, obviously, I think everyone who joins triathlon may feel at some point that they aren't cut out for the sport at first because, like, you know, they either don't feel skinny enough or they can't swim well or run very well. So, like, yeah. I love to hear stories of people who overcome their boundaries and overall, like find the passion for the sport. Yeah. And that was definitely a lot of people try to lose weight through triathlon. And I, I did it a little differently, mostly through weight training with a personal trainer um, at the time. And I still think that's one of the best ways to lose weight is through building some muscle and that helps your metabolism as well. But triathlon was definitely a good way to help me keep it off. The hardest part was the swim for sure. That that first 25 meters of pool, I, I thought I was going to drown. I was hanging on to the lane rope for dear life and I uh, ended up racing a 70.3 about 10 weeks later. So it was, that, that was a little shocking for the system. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things where I didn't come from a background in sport. I, I really never competed as a kid because I just Anything with a ball and coordination, I was brutal at. Zero hand-eye coordination. <laughs> so I just kind of gave up on sports, right, until I found triathlon. It was something where 
the harder I worked, the better I did. And it didn't take that same level of coordination, which was good for me. And I found that I could be fairly good at three sports. Um, I was never going to be the best at any one sport. So that's what really kind of kept me in triathlon. It was fun that there were so many aspects to it to keep improving on or keep trying. That's right. Eh? There's so many variables to it. And it, you're right. There's three sports that you can either be great at or, and if you're not too strong in one, like I, I myself, I'm, I'm not the best swimmer. So to kind of, it, it's great. They always practice that and just sort of try and improve it and make yourself better. But at the same time, you kind of, you can compensate a little bit with a stronger bike set or a, a run set or something. So I think it's great for everyone that can find a sport like this, that they don't have to be the best at all three. And at the end of the day, it's just kind of whatever works for everyone. So yeah, that's uh, that's very cool. And now, I mean, I, I noticed I was checking on your Instagram recently and you have a, a pretty sharp looking Ventum bike that you named Venus, <laughs> which is an awesome bike name, by the way. I think that's up there in the one of the top. So, <laughs> I mean, tell us a bit about the uh, Ventum bike you got and sort of like why you chose that one and, and sort of how you find it rides and races and training, because it looks like you've had it for quite a while now and you definitely seem to have it dialed in with your bike fit for the most like arrow and comfortable position. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just got a Ventum actually in September of last year. So just starting to get some outdoor rides on it after way too long in the not so purple pain cave, just on the trainer for months and months. Um, here in Canada, that's, that's pretty much guaranteed. But, oh yeah. Yeah, no, I looked, I took a look at Ventum about a year and a half ago and I just, I loved the kind of radical design of it. It was something different and it made sense how the aerodynamics of it would benefit in triathlon. So I started reading up more on it and ended up meeting the uh, Ventum crew at Oceanside last year and test riding the bike. And what really surprised me about it is how stiff it actually was. You wouldn't think with that down tube missing that you would have so much stiffness. So it still responded well in the, on the hills. It had a lot of power right to the drivetrain, which was fantastic. But the cool thing was without having that down tube, it ate up the vibrations of the road really, really well which when you're riding in 180 kilometers in, a, in an Ironman, those road vibrations actually send shocks to your muscles the whole way throughout the ride. So that can be fatiguing as well. So something that could still be so stiff and allow me to put power to the pedals while taking off some of those road vibrations just really, really made sense to me. And I, I fell in love with it instantly. So I spent, uh, spent about a year chatting with them after that and ended up, yeah, deciding it was... It was the bike for me and I'm very excited to get to start racing on it. Yeah, that's very cool. And I mean, I like I've had a lot of people ask questions about Benton bikes and, and they seem to be sort of the go-to for the Ironman racing these days. And that's why I always love to ask people sort of how they found their experiences with them. And now obviously, would you recommend these or what's your thoughts on your favorite bike, I guess, after riding quite a few? Yeah, I, I'm in love with it. I, it's been so nice to actually even get out into the mountains here because we have some rough roads from kind of the frost heaves and the brutal winter here. So being able to ride that bike, it just, it feels like it smooths everything out. So I would definitely, definitely recommend it. And I've been working with um, my physio and bike fitter through Intrinzy and they've just got me dialed into the perfect position. Um, Benton was really good with helping me find just the right size for me. Um, they took all of my measurements for my previous bike and then I got to test ride in Oceanside and they really made sure that I was getting the right size bike for me and for the setup that I already had. So it made it a little bit easier to kind of transition from riding the same bike I've been riding for five years to fit onto this Ventum. And then working with um, my bike fitter and physio and stuff, I've been able to get even more kind of aggressive on the bike just through making sure that my body can handle the more aggressive position. Um, so I've been doing things like just working on my mobility and flexibility, working on glute strength to be able to get into a lower position and still be able to run well off of it. Um, I really like the retool kind of bike fitting system for that. It kind of, they stick all these sensors up and down your legs and arms and everything. And it looks kind of funny with wires hooked up everywhere <laughs> and they've got a camera on you, but it really helps you dial in kind of the right position because it can see, the camera can see how you're actually moving, if your knee's going in and out, if it's tracking up and down. And um, that along with the expertise of my bike fitter, Spencer, um, they're really able to make the bike fit aggressive, but still one that I'm comfortable in and I can stay in for six hours and still run well afterwards. So 
whenever you're looking at getting a new bike, whatever it is, definitely make sure that you save some budget for getting a bike fit. Cause if you've got the fastest bike in the world, if you're up on the bars the whole time and you can't go into arrow, you're just throwing that money away. <laughs> really? It's so true. Hey, eh? that's probably the best advice. It's, uh, I mean, half of it is the bike, but the other half is having a proper fit for it and, and mm-hmm. being arrow, but also being comfortable in that position. And it's funny that you said that. Like I, when I always pictured to go get my first bike fit, I always thought it's like, Oh nice. I'm going to, I'm going to be super arrow on it. And and we did the assessments beforehand to see like flexibility. And that's when I realized I, I really didn't have a lot of flexibility for like the aggressive arrow position. So when we had my bike fit, it was, it was somewhat, it was a lot more arrow than it was before, but it wasn't like that sleek arrow look like I was expecting. I was like, Oh, this isn't, but, uh, I guess it came down to, I just, I didn't have the flexibility at the time. So it just kind yeah. of, it's good because they work with you that you get that aerodynamic, but you also get a comfortable position that you won't like uh, overexert on your hamstrings or something. So I think that's very cool. Definitely. Yeah. You don't want to hop off the bike and feel that your hamstrings are trashed and you're doing that Ironman shuffle right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> and it also just kind of helps prevent injury too. You're, there are so many pedal rotations when you're training for this crazy sport that if you're tracking in the wrong position, you can do some, do some damage to the lower back and the knees if you're not in a good position. Oh, for sure. No, exactly. And, and you know, as far as the Ventum goes, I'd say they probably wouldn't be allowed in the Super League triathlon, obviously being a more of a, a triathlon style bike, but I was actually checking on their website and I, I noticed they had a great selection of road bikes. So I was actually excited to hear people's take on those road bikes uh, because I think those would be allowed in, in the Super League. So that's uh, definitely something to to keep an eye on as, a, as the year goes on going into Super League. Definitely. Actually, um, Nathan Killam was racing in Super League in Singapore on the new Ventum road bike. I think it was one of the first of the Ventum road bike that were actually out on the race course. They just, just released it. So it was very cool to see him riding Ventum around the course there in Super League Singapore. Wow. Awesome. That's cool. He's, he's the pioneer then. <laughs> it all happen. And a fellow Canadian. So. <laughs> oh, perfect. Eh? I love that. So, I mean, let's, uh, let's step back a bit now and, and Ooh. talking about the Super League, can you sort of explain briefly to people who haven't heard of the Super League triathlon yet as to how the format is so different compared to what they might be more comfortable or know, like the Ironman and the ITU series? Like, how is it all sort of different? Yeah. So Super League is something just radically different from triathlon as we know it, especially as age groupers where most of us are focused on kind of half Ironman and Ironman distance triathlons. Super League, they've, they're kind of taking triathlon racing from the professional level down. So it's really meant for um, a viewing audience to see triathlon in a very exciting and dynamic way. And these Super League races, what they do is they've made these triathlons super, super short. So usually you're looking like a 300-meter swim, 4K bike, 1.5K run. So it only takes about 20 minutes for most of these races. Um, and then they have different formats. So some of them, they do three super short triathlons with 10 minutes rest in between, but they mix up the orders. So you might be going swim, run, bike, bike, swim, run, and just trying to trying to see who's the strongest triathlon overall. You should be able to do these sports in any order and still be successful. So it really kind of turns the sport on its head a bit. And then you have other ones where you're doing swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run three times through to get that endurance aspect to it too. And then they throw in all sorts of crazy things to mix up the race, like short shoots. The first person out of the swim will get to take a shortcut. So they have a little bit more of an advantage. So that motivates these athletes to kind of sprint for the line after each of the disciplines, just to make the racing more exciting, which is very cool because I love Ironman. That's the distance I love to race but it's not fun to watch. So who <laughs> really kind of takes triathlon and makes it so that the everyday viewer, someone who's not into triathlon can take a look at these races and be like, that that's pretty entertaining. They can sit down and watch for an hour and see what kind of triathlon's about, which is kind of a cool way to grow the sport. And what they're doing different from a lot of the other triathlon races is they're getting the audience really engaged in the professionals and the athletes who are racing this. So you almost want to root for people, whether they're your countrymen or people who you just find entertaining or inspiring. They really kind of showcase the personality of the athletes too, which makes a lot more fun when you feel feel like you're rooting for someone or cheering for someone specifically. Then you get a little more invested in the races, which makes it very cool. 
Oh, exactly. I, I think actually you explained that very well. That's, it's really cool. And so, and Chris McCormack's the one who sort of started all up and, and he's just amazing. And his perception of it was that he wanted to ultimately see who was the fastest triathlete in the world and uh, the strongest triathletes in the world. Then he kind of took out the whole concept of the age group and just focus on who's the fastest. And I think that's really cool. And, and like he said, having it amazing for the spectators to watch and, and be a part of, it's just, it's so cool. And you're right. It's so different from the Ironman style or the ITU style where I think he's, the whole league itself is definitely onto something. And it's amazing that I love that they have age group races as well too. And also corporate relays, which you've, you've been a part of too, right? So I think uh, it's, it's a definitely a weekend for everyone, whether they're spectating or just being a part of it as an age grouper or, or even the professional racing. I think there's something for everyone, which is really cool. It is. Yeah. And it's really, it's really cool to go down to these races and see them in person because there's no other sport that you get this kind of access to the athletes. Are you going to be this close to the action? Like at Super League Singapore, I couldn't stick my camera out too far because I would have knocked someone off their bike. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just, it's such a different experience. And like you mentioned, I've done a few of the corporate races and um, I've done the age group race in Penticton as well. And it's just fun to do something that's so different and so challenging in a different way. You get, you get kind of a taste of what these professionals are doing and going through, but on a kind of at a shorter race. So it's just, I've done some of these corporate relays and I'm like, I don't know how these guys are doing it two, three more times through these races and still, (laughs) still partying at the end of the day. Like, it is crazy some of these races, but it's been it's been cool to get a taste of the racing through these corporate relays and the age group races. Um, and then after that, being able to sit back and relax and watch these pros just smash these courses. The, the speeds they're hitting are unreal. Like it doesn't oh, yeah. seem possible. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Eh? They're, they're, they're insane. <laughs> yeah. There's no other word for it. They're just incredible. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And now, I mean, so where did you sort of get involved with the Super League? Uh, obviously, because you came from a background of uh, a mix of ITU and Ironman racing. Yeah. So um, I've actually, I've been a part of Chris McCormick's triathlon team for almost the entirety of time I've been in triathlon. I actually uh, read his book and that's where I found out what Ironman was. And then he had started the age group team uh, shortly after I started into triathlon. So it's mostly through him. I've been lucky enough to kind of train and race around the world with him and heard about the Super League racing and they were going to be having uh, an age group race in Penticton. So last year we got uh, a bunch of our MX endurance team together and we held a training camp camp down in Penticton for the Super League race. And that's where I got the first taste of what it actually feels like. Um, last year it was a qualifier for a number of the professionals to get that golden ticket to actually race on the, I guess the professional league and super league. So it was kind of fun going down to Penticton and trying it out. They had a, for the Penticton race, it was day one was a time trial on a racetrack, which was very, very cool. Um, we were all complaining it was a little far out of town, but (laughs) <laughs> when you get a chance to ride a bicycle on this racetrack that these supercars are going on, there's wow. no other feeling like it. It was so much fun. Now, how long was that time trial? Uh, I can't remember exactly. I want to say it was like 10K. It wasn't wasn't that long, but uh, okay. yeah, it was a good one in there. And I, I used to play on the racetrack with Supersport motorcycles. So it just, it brought back all the memories of being <laughs> on the track. That's so I had awesome. to go crush it out there. <laughs> Try not to put my knee down in the corners, but have some fun with it. And <laughs> then, yeah, the next day it was kind of, it was a quick turnaround. We race at night on the Friday and then Sunday morning, um, you do the mixed race. So it was, I think it was swim, run, swim, bike, run. The idea being we had done the second bike the night before. So that was the most insane feeling going from running to swimming is awful. <laughs> you see the professionals doing it and it it looks okay, but it is the worst feeling <laughs> in a great way. <laughs> so just trying to um, go from running hard, jumping into the water, swimming hard, and then getting out, running again, um, and then swimming again. It was just a total shock to the system when you're used to a very succinct 
Wednesday run. <laughs> For sure. Um, oh my God. I, yeah. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't, I don't think my body could even do that right now. <laughs> I think it has to follow the swim bike run or it's nothing. <laughs> I know. Well, and to that point, I actually mixed up the order and tried to go out on my bike after the first swim. So <laughs> I was totally out of it. You have to say, stay so mentally sharp in these races too, when you're, when you're mixing up the orders, because you are, you're just so in the routine of, Hey, I swam. Now it's time to bike. Wait a sec. <laughs> I'm supposed to be out running. <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun to try it out. Unfortunately, um, the third day's race and two days of the professional race got uh, smoked out. There was a lot of wildfires around uh, Penticton. Um, but it was still a very, very cool race there. We actually, uh, like I said, we had the MX team down there. We did a whole camp around it with Maka and one of your previous guests, Tim Ford, as well. And the team all got together just to kind of train and have some fun down there. These camps with MX are just awesome because it's it's a group of people that likes to train hard, but also have a good time too. So we did things like barbecues. We had a couple talks on kind of race formats and how best to attack it. And and then on the last day, unfortunately, the last day's racing got canceled because of the smoke. Um, there ended up being a rope beer mile organized. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> we all kind of head down to the pub after uh, after we got the call that the race was going to be canceled there. And um, by seven o'clock that evening, a beer mile was the greatest idea in the world. <laughs> That's amazing, eh? <laughs> That's awesome. And, and I mean, obviously, being like so close with the MX Endurance, you guys are, are present at a lot of the Super League races. So, I mean, you obviously have some pretty funny or pretty crazy stories because, I mean, I, just by talking to Tim Ford, it's like this guy's he's hilarious and I can imagine him letting loose a couple of times. So it'd be pretty funny well, to see. So let's talk about that. Uh, I saw a video that you guys were on that, uh, that <laughs> golf cart. So what happened there? What was the, what was the experience there? Yeah. So the third day was canceled in Penticton because of the smoke. And like I said, we all, we were all sitting around a pub and um, I think Nathan Killam, the uh, Canadian I mentioned before was kind of the instigator of this beer mile. <laughs> He's a, a beer mile champ. So <laughs> We, uh, the, race, the race director ended up getting us some golf carts from the resort down the street and we all pile in, I think there were like six or seven of us on each of these golf carts, carts just like hanging off the sides. And, uh, the video I sent you had some familiar faces, the, uh, Schofield twins, one hanging off the side, one in the back and, uh, Ollie Turner, the pride of Jersey was the one driving with the megaphone and, um, so we all had a good time and rode down to the beer mile and, uh, it was actually fun. We had a fair few people actually out on the course racing the beer mile, which was a lot of fun. And then, uh, Maka was live streaming to the MX endurance team, the race going on and <laughs> announcing it, which, which was a lot of fun. So it was, it's just such a cool team in that respect where, okay, things didn't go right. We didn't quite get in the training we wanted. We didn't get to race the last day. so let's make the most of it and go have some fun. And so the whole team was there at the beer mile. And most, I think most of us were out there racing. So <laughs> it was my first, first beer mile, which was quite the experience. <laughs> there we my, go. Yeah. Has decreased significantly since starting triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> but I was fit and ready to run. So that was good. <laughs> awesome. Hey, first beer mile of many to come, I guess. Eh? Exactly. Yeah. And Nathan Killam just schooled us all out there. So he was <laughs> too awesome. long to chase. <laughs> well, at least, at least it went to the Canadian. So good for good on him. That's definitely. Cool. Yeah. It was a Canadian win overall. So we were happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, th I think that's incredible. Like uh, MX Endurance, I like what you guys have done at the Super League races because you guys make the best out of it and turn it into such an awesome weekend. And, and just stories like that, like, it, it makes it all worthwhile. Like it's one thing that everyone loves to go to these races and either watch the race or participate in it. That's amazing in itself. But then to also make, make memories on the side of that and just really enjoy and, and sort of let, let loose and have fun. I think that's, that's kind of why we're all in the sport really like just to make memories and enjoy the sport. Right. So I think that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a fun group because we have such a mix of abilities from newbie athletes to world champions, Kona qualifiers. Like it's just, everyone in this mix so you get advice and opinions from so many different people and if you're going through something odds are someone else on the team has gone through it too and might have some advice or 
know what not to do. (laughs) So it's just, it's fun to have that community to go back on. And I said, I've been a member of the team for six years and then last year came on as a coach. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun to kind of see the team grow and be able to meet people all around the world. And because we are, um, such fans of triathlon, there's never going to be a super league race where we don't have athletes at. And it's been kind of cool to meet up with the team at a lot of these races between Super League Penticton. And then I went up to uh, Mallorca, met a bunch of teammates there too. And then a, the most recent one, Singapore. So it's just, it's fun to be able to experience Super League, but it's even more fun with teammates that you've been chatting with for years, actually getting to meet them in person and see them at these races and go race and compete with them and have a beer with them afterwards. Awesome. No, it's very cool. And and I guess I... I should have asked this earlier, I guess, uh, for some of the people who don't know what MX Endurance is. So could you give them a little bit of an example of what you guys do there? Sure. So MX Endurance is um, kind of a triathlon triathlon team um, where it's just a group of athletes from all around the world, all different ability levels. It started with um, Maka putting out videos just to help people improve at triathlon. He the idea behind it was he had met so many people around the world and those people are kind of key to him being able to race around the world, progress through his career. And he wanted to create the same network for age group athletes. So what's really made it fun is because we have people everywhere, it's almost like any race you turn up to, there's going to be another MX member there, which makes it a lot more fun when you're meeting people who are familiar. One year uh, on the team, I ended up racing in like seven different countries and there's an MX member at every single race. So I'm usually traveling to these races alone. Um, I was living in Scotland at the time, didn't know anyone there who did triathlon. So being able to travel to these races and hook up with different team members who either knew the area or were doing the race too, it just added so much to the experience to have that that connection there. So you didn't feel so, so lonely in this kind of solo sport. <laughs> For sure. Eh? No, it's very cool. And it's, it's crazy. You seem to do quite a bit of traveling eh, with uh, triathlons, which I think is awesome because that's something I'd always love to do more of. It's, it's, it's great that the Super League actually in particular is like that as well because they travel to some amazing places. It's not just like you're going, just going somewhere that just has a race and there's, you go there, race, and then come home. Like You get to go to these places and you could stay there for weeks and just endless exploring there. So I think that's cool. Yeah, it's it's a good excuse to kind of travel around and see a little bit more of the world. It's it's been fun to expand my horizons that way, and it just it makes it a little bit easier because I'm usually traveling solo. So having people to hook up at these different locations, it it makes it a lot more comfortable for me to be able to do that and explore these new places. I when I went up to the Super League uh, Singapore race, I was planning on going there for the race, and I was like, well, we've got a couple members coming over to Thailand to train beforehand. So I hooked up with Tim Ford and another one of our friends, Lucy, and we did a few days training in Thailand before the Singapore race, which was just incredible. And that's something I never would have thought of or been able to do before because I'm probably not just going to show up to Thailand by myself <laughs> <to> train alone. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> that be the best idea. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, so true, eh? Yeah, it was just, it was so easy to tag into that team uh they knew the best place to train and where to eat and where to go and so it, it just made it an incredible experience then yeah we just popped over to singapore and saw the uh, finale go down there which was incredible awesome very cool that's uh that's what i like to hear and, and now i mean talking about the super league and of course both of us being both from canada now who are some of the canadians to look out for in the super league this upcoming season do you have a couple of favorites or yeah, well, definitely um, Tyler Mistichuk, and I don't know how to say his last name properly. I'm I sure. Didn't That's good. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. <laughs> um, has definitely been doing incredible there. He's had a few sprint finishes with some of the best in the world, like Johnny Brownlee and stuff, and he's been coming up the ranks there, which has been very, very cool to see. And then Matt Sharp's coming through there as well. Um, it's just fun to see so many Canadians at these races. I know their uh, coach, Donna Hall, has been um, just kind of encouraging this type of racing. And it's very, very cool to see them out there and doing so well. Um, both of them placed in the top 10. So they'll be going on to next season, which is incredible. And excited to see how they do. It's It's been fun to kind of follow them along. And it was kind of cool at the uh, the Singapore race. I got lots of shout outs having Canadian flag on my shoulder because I think they had a few supporters out there too. Oh, nice, eh? That's good. Yeah. Very cool. 
And then we had um, Nathan Kill, like I mentioned before, he was out there and he is the only person where when he got um, pulled out of the race because of the 92nd rule or with one of the cutoffs, the whole crowd just booed <laughs> because <laughs> he's such a personality in the show, in the sport that people kind of cheering him on. And he's, he's actually a full-time firefighter as well. So he's doing professional sport and working full-time too. So oh, it was wow. just funny to see everyone was so, everyone loves him and was invested in him that the whole crowd just started booing when the head ref pulled him off the course. <laughs> That's awesome. That's eh? Yeah, it was, it's fun to see, like I said, so many Canadians doing well in this league because it is, it's just next level. And the exposure for Canada and triathlon is awesome. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. And now for you, I guess going to these races, do you, uh, or like what races will you, or sort of, do you hope to attend this season in the super league? Do you have a couple in mind and are you going to be racing as an age grouper or through the corporate team again, or just there sort of coaching and representing MX endurance? Yeah, I'm not too sure at this point. Um, I'll definitely be down at Penticton. Uh, we're running another MX camp at super league Penticton this year. So that's just a fun experience with the team. Uh, for that one, I'll probably be doing the bike time trial and possibly the other two days racing, but not entirely sure yet. I'm kind of, my big race this year is Ironman Cork to try for that Kona qualification. So everything's kind of on hold until I see how that goes. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I hope to get over to the Ottawa race as well. Um, just supporting Super League in Canada, I think is awesome. Um, really, really would like to get back to the Mallorca race. That was probably one of the most fun races to go see um it was it was kind of funny we weren't there was no official like corporate race or age group race at super league mallorca um but they decided they wanted to put one together kind of last minute and they didn't have enough teams in there so everyone who was on the mx team got kind of recruited to race this last minute (laughs) (laughs) it was like hey you're here to spectate Oh, um, here's a race kit. Do you want to go out and race tomorrow? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Um, It was fun. I ended up getting a Cassandra Bogrand's uh, race kit uh, because she didn't end up going to that race, which I wish I could run like her and do that kit justice, but a little bit slower than she was. (laughs) (laughs) But it was was so much fun that because they threw everyone into this race, they had a few few, um, teams that were a little bit faster than the others. one team was Mario Mola, his brother, and Javier Gomez. Oh, geez. So they, they kind of smoked all of us <laughs> by a long shot. <laughs> um, but it's fun because they had other teams, like the, the commentary team. So Alistair Brownlee, Maka, and Will were all on one team. And they were out, to, out there to have fun. And myself, I was on a team with uh, John O'Hall, the Canadian uh, coach there, and then uh, – Stuart Hayes, who's a previous Olympian, and they just kind of threw us all in there, and everyone was out there to have fun. It was such a different feeling than most races. No one was going for a top performance or really trying to win. (laughs) You're all out there just to have a good time because it was so last minute, and there turned out to be some kind of dirty race tactics out there on the course, which made it pretty entertaining to see in person. We had Maka tackling people on the sand so that they didn't uh, beat him into the water. And then uh, one of the commentators, MG, who's on site doing the commentary, uh, he was on his bicycle trying to block Alistair Brownlee from getting in front of him. So he was holding him back that way. (laughs) That's awesome, eh? Which I'm pretty sure Johnny Brownlee was watching that, just hoping that Alistair didn't crash because he had to use his bike during the race because Johnny's bike didn't show up to the race at all. So oh, <laughs> he's no. probably looking on nervously as MG's like, <laughs> 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 um, oh, and then during the run handoffs, it was like a dog pile of people trying to block each other from getting timing chips. Timing chips were being tossed over to other athletes. <laughs> and actually halfway through one of the races, um, my swimmer, Stuart Hayes, uh, got recruited to another team. So <laughs> I'm running out or running back to hand the timing chip off to him. And I see him running the other direction. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so ended up tacking on to another swimmer and they became part of our team and several others. <laughs> That's hilarious. eh? <laughs> so needless to say, it was an eventful, eventful time. <laughs> it was. And it was so much fun because just everyone was out to have a good time. No one took it too seriously. And 
it was just such different atmosphere than you usually see at races where all the age group athletes are kind of keyed up, ready to go, super competitive. Everyone was just like, let's have fun and then go watch the professionals duke it out like hardcore. Yeah, no, that's very cool. Eh? And it, that's, uh, I think that's something that I hope to see more at, at future races. Cause that's like we said earlier, that's just what it's all about and just having fun. And that sounded like a, <laughs> a pretty crazy Pretty crazy time and a lot of awesome stories. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's very cool. And, and so you mentioned the Penticton camp that you guys are running. So uh, sort of to those who haven't seen that yet, what's that all about? Yeah, so we did this last year. Um, we had myself, Tim Ford, and Mac out there running the camp. And we got together a number of the MX athletes. And kind of the cool thing is the camp's open to everyone. You don't have to be an MX athlete to join. But what we do is uh, we have a couple different options, whether you're looking to race on the weekend, uh, then it's a lot more technique focused, transitions, talks on how best to approach the race. And then there are options for people who aren't racing and just want to get some good training in during that week. And Penticton has so much history in the sport of triathlon that it's, it's kind of cool to check out some of these courses where the Ironman was run for years, where the world champs were. And there's so much good riding and racing around there because the the sport of triathlon has been a big part of Penticton's history that they really kind of embrace the sport and when a triathlon's in town. So it's it's a lot of fun to get our members together to meet in person. Like I said, we race together, we train together. Um, last year we did some fun things in between when it was looking like the smoke was getting too bad to do as much training as we wanted to um, just due to health risks we ended up going and doing the canal float. So rent a bunch of inner tubes, float down the canal with a couple beers in hand and have a good time just kind of chatting. And we said we were working on our efficiency in the water and hydration. <laughs> it was uh, more just, or just some team bonding, right? Um, That's it. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. And then on the, there was a bus ride back to the start of the canal float and we're all singing at the top of our lungs to show tunes and stuff. Like it's just, it's such a good group of people where, like I said before, there are people who want to go hard and who are aggressive and winning these races. Um, one of our athletes is actually the fastest over the Super League weekend. Um, but then at the same time, we have other athletes who are out just to have a good time. And we kind of cater to both, both of those types of athletes. And it's just, it's just fun when you're training with a group and people who kind of get it and are coming from the same place. It makes it a lot more interesting than training on your own or in the pain cave solo all the time. No, exactly. And, and I mean, obviously you guys, you have a whole weekend of a camp dedicated to this, but I mean, if you were to give some brief advice, I guess, on, uh, to basically coach someone to train for a super league on how they should prepare themselves for a super league race weekend in the age group category. Uh, is there anything that you would kind of recommend? Like, should they be, focusing work in maybe like zone the heart rate zones three, four, five, or should they like practice like tri triple brick sets? And like you said earlier, doing like a swim to run to bike to swim or something like that. Um, yeah. Any advice on that? Um, so I think the thing get, that gets age group athletes the most in these super league races, myself included, is that run to swim. That run to swim is such a bizarre feeling. You you're just gasping for breath and all thoughts of form go out the window. So one thing we did at the camp that was really good to kind of get used to that was a couple um, open water swims where we did beach runs. So essentially you swim out hard to a boy, swim back in, run onto the beach, um, run 50 or hundred meters and then back into the water, swim to the way and doing those in and outs um, from the water to the run, just to kind of get used to that sensation and try to get your body to learn how to relax when it gets back in the water again. So instead of just getting in the water and thinking all I need is air, learning how to kind of control that breathing, control that effort so that when you do jump back into the water again, you can get into your stroke and actually move efficiently. And that's something you've seen a lot on the professional side with some of the weaker swimmers. They're not as efficient. So when they jump back in the water, they're losing significantly more time when they're jumping in the water fatigued than the guys who are very good swimmers. So that's one thing that's really good to practice um, if you can in the open water or even just doing, um, if you only have a pool to train in, doing something like deck ups where you, you swim hard for 50 or 100 meters, pull yourself out of the pool and do something even like squats or obviously most pools you can't run around. So doing things like squats or burpees just to get the heart rate up, to get the blood pumping and then try jumping back in the water again and trying to control that breathing and that effort. 
I think that's definitely the biggest part of Super League racing that throws throws athletes off. Awesome. Those are that's really good advice because I mean, like I said, a lot of people if they're if they're new to Super League triathlon, uh, if like so if if they're coming from any of the Ironman seventy point three or full Ironman distance, it'd be a shock to do some of the training once they get into the the race weekend of a Super League because it's just such yeah. a such a different style of triathlon, right? So it's always good to hear what are some tips, I guess, on, on preparing yourself for that kind of a race. So I, I really liked that. That's some good advice. Yeah. And transitions always work on transitions. <laughs> yeah. And because I guess most athletes are just used to one style of train or I guess two transitions. Yeah. You can think about what you're doing next. So, yeah. And I mean, uh, now where do you sort of see the super league heading in the coming years? Like, obviously it's amazing to see what Chris McCormick has sort of done. And he's obviously so involved and so passionate about the series. So like, Listening to him talk about it, I can I can really see it being such an amazing series. And you're directly involved with a lot of the Super League races. So, I mean, what's kind of your thoughts? Where do you kind of see it heading? Um, I really see it expanding. This this year will be interesting because a lot of the athletes are um, kind of going after their Olympic qualifications this year. Um, so that's the main focus. But the cool thing with Super League is that they have an agreement with the ITU so that they're not going to overlap each other <laughs> or make things more difficult for each other. Kind of a partnership to work on the race season together but I definitely see um Super League expanding to more races and I think the ITU calendar is going to start to get a little shorter and Super League will have a couple more opportunities to um increase the number of races they have it's really it's interesting talking to Maka about kind of his vision for it and where it's going to go because they just they want to make Super League and triathlon a household kind of sport again, right? It was huge in the 90s. People were watching this Grand Prix racing and they want to see it come back to that place where even if you're not involved in triathlon, you still will turn on the TV and watch Super League racing, which, you know, the more attention that's brought to Super League, the more sponsors that come on board, it's it's just good for the sport of, or the health of the sport overall. And it's kind of cool to see Super League pushing that and making sure that it is it's not as much of a niche sport if we can get it out to a lot more people. So I look forward to seeing it expand and going to some fun new locations and just coming with more crazy twists to these races that make it a lot of fun to watch and so unpredictable. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and actually you brought up a good point there. And I, I spoke to quite a few of the super league triathletes lately and, and their obviously number one priority is the getting the qualifications to the 2020 Olympics and sort of working their schedules around that. So I'm curious to see how the Super League sort of handles that because I guess that'll happen basically every time there's the Olympics on that they'll have to sort of juggle around those kind of races. So I'm curious to see how the Super League will adjust their schedule or what's going to happen with the athletes. Are they going to, are some going to miss a couple races or are they going to be races changing on different dates just to sort of make it more balanced? I'm, I'm curious. It's interesting. Yeah, so right now they... Like I said, they have an agreement with the ITU so that they work out the calendar kind of together so that they're not going to impede the athletes' Olympic bids, which is awesome. So they're not going to try to overlap weekends or anything like that. So the athletes who are either get their qualification early, they'll probably be more likely to do Super League races, um, I would assume, just because they have that out of the way. Mm-hmm. But it's still Super League is still run kind of in the off-season of the ITU triathlon. So it's a good way to just kind of race off your fitness at the end of the year and then a couple good races to kind of remember how to race again in the new year with things like uh, Singapore, the finale, uh, where the athletes have had their downtime, had their off season, now they're starting to ramp up to race again. So it's cool that they have that agreement so that they're not battling against each other because a lot of these athletes are, are in the I2 circuit. So they want to be able to do both. It's cool to see them out on both circuits. Yeah, no, exactly. hundred percent. And I like that they've came to an agreement because that's, mm-hmm. that's the last thing you want to do is sort of uh, step on the other one's toes. So it's, it's great to see they're working together. I think yeah. that's uh, I think that's great. And now I guess speaking through I, all three series racing. So between the super league, the ITU and the Ironman racing, um, is there one race that is still on your bucket list that you've really wanted to do, but you haven't had the opportunity to do yet? Kona. <laughs> Kona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah, I'm definitely, um, so I've, I've finished one Ironman before and I got very close in that one. That was my first one and ended up third that, uh, had a bike mechanical where my seat post screw kind of failed <laughs> and uh, spent about 10 minutes on the side of the road trying to fix that and ended up losing out on that Kona spot by about 
12 minutes. So so close. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's kind of my goal this year, heading up to Ironman Cork to try to get that Kona qualification and race that because that, that's what inspired me when I got into triathlon. Um, Like I said, I found out what Ironman was reading Matt's book. So obviously there was a lot in there about Kona and it just, it holds this appeal because the the best of the best have raced in there and it takes it takes a lot of commitment and just getting the best out of yourself to be able to qualify for Kona so I like what that represents just um if I am able to do that then it's shown that I've I've put the best myself out there I've raced hard and given it my all and yeah if I'm lucky enough to qualify then it'll be very cool to experience it in person after seeing it for so many years on tv Oh yeah. No, absolutely. That's amazing. And obviously we're going to be rooting for you then come Ironman Cork. So uh, when is that race? Uh, it's June, I think 23rd. Yeah. Okay. June 23rd. All right. So we'll be rooting for you for there because we want you to get that Kona spot because I think you're right. That's probably, that's probably the number one bucket list race, I think for a lot of people. So it's a, it's a and this appeal to it. It's yeah. I have to get over there. I'm not allowed to go to Hawaii until I qualify. (laughs) For sure. Cool. And I know, I mean, let's kind of, uh, let's, let's switch it up now and let's talk about some more tips, I guess, for the age troopers and the, the triathletes sort of going from there. Now, I mean, looking over to the, well, I guess either the 70.3 or the full Ironmans, uh, when it, it comes to nutrition, so do you have a go-to strategy for like carbon takes or like sugar and electrolytes or, or fluid or sort of what's your, what's your process, I guess, for both the 70.3 and the full Ironman? Yeah, so both are pretty similar. Um, I actually got this from my own coach, Lucho. I don't have a nutrition sponsor because I don't use a lot of the triathlon nutrition out there. Um, What I like to do is I take straight maltodextrin. It's something you can get at like supplement or bodybuilding stores and stuff. It's just straight sugar um, without a lot of flavor. It doesn't really taste like anything. And I kind of super concentrate that into a bottle with something like a, a noon tablet for some electrolytes in there. Um, so it keeps it pretty simple. I don't like chewing when I'm trying to go hard on the bike. So something I can just sip on the whole time works well for me. And it lets me get in a ton of calories without any stomach upset, which is, which is the important part. Um, something that I use and what I tell most of my athletes as well is around like 50 to 70 grams of carbs an hour seems to be the sweet spot for most athletes to the point where they can get on a significant amount of fuel on the bike and then be able to run well afterwards. So with nutrition, it's tough because it is so individual. It's something that you absolutely need to test out in training, something that works perfectly for me. And as you've seen talking to other, like talking to professionals on your podcast, um, may not work for other people and everyone has wildly different, um, fueling strategies from, you know, chocolate bars to <laughs> sports supplements to eating peanut butter, banana sandwiches, like I've heard all sorts of things. So for myself, I just like to keep it simple, straight liquid nutrition, um, with maltodextrin and like a noon tablet for electrolytes. And then on the run, I pretty much have the same thing. Um, I'll have a super concentrated bottle of maltodextrin that I'll carry with me for the first half. And then the second half of the run, whether it's Ironman or half Ironman, it's all Coke and water. Hannah awesome. with Coke and water. It's just yeah. caffeine, shot of sugar. And the one caveat with Coke and water is once you start, you cannot skip an aid station. <laughs> it's so, it's so fast burning that you have to keep taking it on every aid station or else you'll, you'll bunk pretty quickly. Oh, that's cool. That's good to know. And and now I'm just trying to picture like so like your bike setup. Do you got do you have like a, a couple water bottles all with the same sort of mix? Like do you have like uh, three bottles, let's say, or sort of how many bottles do you keep on your bike? Sure. So one of the cool things with the Ventum is that uh, the top of it's actually a water bottle, kind of. <laughs> um, so it's built into the bike. So I think that holds about a liter and a half of water. Wow. Um, so I'll have that. And then I also have a between the arms bottle. Um, Ventum has nowhere where you can stick water bottles otherwise. Yeah. And that's actually um, shown to work very well aerodynamically. So what I do is I super concentrate my mix on the front bottle. Um, and then I usually use an aero bottle that has a little uh, a flap I can open so I can add more water into it. So I'll fill the main part of my bike with just water. And then between the arms, I'll have super concentrated nutrition for the whole race. 
And then as I hit aid stations, I'll just grab water bottles and refill my bike's bladder and then refill my, um, my between the arms water bottle as well, which slowly dilutes um, the concentration of the nutrition I'm taking in and just kind of keep sipping on that as I go. And because I've tested this out a few times and I do it in training so often, I don't have to worry about taking in a specific amount at any time. I just kind of listen to my body through it on how much I'm going to take in. Um, so I know if I'm, I can feel if I'm starting to take on too, too much nutrition, then I'll focus on water for a little bit, let my stomach settle down. And as it feels good again, start sipping on nutrition again. So it's something that if you get a feel for how much your body can take in works very, very well. Um, but if you try to take it all too quickly, it's very, very concentrated and that won't leave you feeling too good. <laughs> awesome. No, and that's really cool. I actually, I really like that bike setup. I mean, if anyone has a Ventum or something, like even if you don't have the Ventum, you can still do something similar with, with water bottles on, on any bike. So I really like that idea. So that's, that's uh, cool. And you're right. I think the biggest thing is do it in training. So then you're not so specific on sort of pre-mixing that does this, how much does this one have and how much should I take? You just kind of get used to it and you listen to your body. So I really like that advice. I think that's, uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think the one area where a lot of age groupers go wrong is you have a lot of nutrition and you want to make sure you take it all by the end of the race. If you're starting to burp up fuel, you're taking too much. Your stomach's not digesting it. So the best thing to do in that case is just back it off for a few minutes. Just take water for the next 20 or so minutes and let your stomach just digest because your body's pulling blood away from your stomach into your muscles. They're working hard. So you have to be a little more gentle with it and give it time to digest and that water will help it just kind of work through what's already in your stomach. So you can actually use it instead of your stomach freaking out and shutting down. <laughs> awesome. So no, that's a uh, very cool. I like that. And I mean, now switching over, I guess, to the swim. Now, obviously uh, you said you, you weren't the, <laughs> You were the strongest swimmer when you first started, but I saw on Instagram that actually the other day you were doing, you finished a five kilometer swim, which I mean, oh. is I think that's incredible. So all in itself. Now, I mean, uh, for age groupers that struggle with swimming, uh, what are some tips that you can sort of give them that, that you found helps sort of persevere and sort of get through that swimming struggle that you first had and basically allowed yourself to swim comfortably for five kilometers? Because I think that's, that's a feat all in itself. Yeah, that I've only done a few. Well, I've done two five kilometer swims, so it's not something that's regularly part of my schedule. But the biggest mistake I made when I started swimming was I used pretty much YouTube as my teacher. Um, I didn't take the time to really dial in my form or technique. I didn't really know what I was doing, so I kind of ingrained a lot of bad habits when I started out, and um, that's something I'm working really hard now to correct. So I think if you are getting into swimming, especially as an adult, like I was, I was 24 when I started. And I think the best thing you can do is just get a swim analysis, try to have a couple coach sessions or master's class sessions where you're getting some feedback on your technique. Because like anything else, if you're doing the same motion over and over and over again, it's going to get ingrained in your muscle patterns, right? And if that's not great form, you're just going to be taking not great form and ingraining it in your, in your system. So starting off working with someone to make those corrections from the beginning, I think saves a lot of hassle down the line. Um, for myself, I'm trying to, again, just get better at swimming. And I've been starting to do some video analysis um, with the local triathlon coach here through links, just to kind of see what I'm actually doing in the water. Because so often what you think you're doing in the water is drastically different from what it actually looks like where you feel like you're making a giant change to your form. It's maybe moved a millimeter. So having that visual feedback, I find has been really good to kind of help correct some of those bad habits I got into as for getting the distance and getting to five kilometer swims. It's really just consistent buildup. So like anything with the swim bike in the run, just build up slowly uh, I started off with just trying to make it 25 meters across the lane without freaking out because <laughs> that really made me nervous in the beginning. Um, and using some of the tools that are available, things like pull boys and snorkels, just to try to get more comfortable in the water and build up that way so that you're not um, freaking about trying to breathe <laughs> is the big thing. So build up slowly, try to get some coaching in the beginning just so that your form can not be terrible and you have something good to build off. 
Perfect. I really like that advice. I think a lot of people would actually benefit from hearing that because I think it, well, it's between, I guess the, either the run or the swim that people either struggle with the run coming into triathlon or they struggle with the swim. I don't, it tends not to be the bike for whatever reason, but yeah. So I think a lot of people struggle with swimming. So I think that's great advice and just do it gradually. And like you said, the swim analysis and swim coach, I think is essential. So you don't, you don't ingrain bad habits early on. So very cool. Yeah. And, I mean, similar question, I guess, for, for running, because obviously you've done both the 70.3s and even a full Ironman. So I guess, how would you recommend age groupers jumping from the 70.3 distance where a lot of people may be comfortable at, or that's even might be a hard feat in itself. And then to jump up to the full Ironman, that's basically, uh, it would take a lot because you have a, you're basically doing the full marathon instead of a half. And there's just a, a lot of biking, a lot of swimming beforehand. So do you have any sort of tips on jumping up safely without sort of being more prone to injury by overtraining? Yeah. So I'm a huge proponent of, um, kind of zone two training or mapatone training. Um, that's what I started doing when I got into triathlon. Cause I kind of went from starting triathlon and just over a year later did my first Ironman. And my coach was really good with forcing me to build that aerobic foundation uh, which isn't always the most exciting or sexy training out there when you could say, hey, go out in zone two for an hour. Go out, go out in zone two again, again, again. Um, but what that does is it really is a very safe way to build up volume because your body is telling you how fast you can go. So you may have to start out in zone two doing walk-run just to keep your heart rate down in that zone. But as you get fitter, as your muscles and tendons strengthen, your heart gets stronger, your breathing gets better, your pace will increase at that zone two heart rate as you go. And it kind of, it's almost a good regulator because if you're overtired, your heart rate will be high. It'll force you to go slower. You're feeling fresh, your heart rate, again, you'll keep down that zone, but you'll be moving faster. So it's a good way to kind of keep your system in check. And it's a lot easier on your body than some of the high intensity running. And at the end of the day, Ironman running is not fast. It's even at the top of the field, they're, they're not going insanely fast. It's all about being able to build up that volume and keep consistent training, which I think the zone two helps a lot with. Unfortunately, like I said, it's not the most exciting stuff. Usually I listen to podcasts or music to pass the time, but I think that's definitely the, the safest way to kind of build up that, that volume. And in order for that run to actually be able to work, you have to have a lot of bike strength. So you need to get fit enough on the bike where the bike doesn't hurt your run um, as much as it does other people. <laughs> yeah, no, perfect. I, I like that. That's a really good advice. And I, I'm hearing lots more about the the zone training and zone two specifically. So I, I'm glad you touched on that because that's something that I, I do want to start trying myself. I know uh, I have a couple training partners that I work with and they're in the midst of zone two training right now. And it's funny because we always joke because uh, we would always compared stats and then now to see him doing the zone two training, it's like, wow, you're going really slow. But I mean, I guess that's sort of the, the purpose, right? Like build the foundation and build the structure up. So we're excited to see the results because it, it takes a while, but it, I guess it's it's proven to work really well. So that's cool. And if you're yeah. trying to increase distance safely, I think that's a good way to go. And that's how, like, um, I think it was Mark Allen did that zone two math training as well. And he, he used to talk about how at the beginning of the season, everyone was just crushing him in all of the workouts because he was moving so slowly. Um, but as he progressed through the season and got fitter, that pace increases and increases to the point where he's still cruising in a very aerobic zone, but running past everyone because he's built that foundation. And I've seen myself, like, over two minutes per mile, off my pace just off of zone two running so I'm still running comfortably but just a lot faster which is it's cool to actually see see it happen to yourself <laughs> to know it works yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a good progression awesome no that's that's really cool and I appreciate that advice I think a lot of people can resonate well with that so I mean, uh, let's, let's kind of finish it off there. And I mean, let's, uh, if you're up for it, we'll do the one minute uh, Q and a fire round and, uh, see how many questions we can get in one minute. If you're up for that. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to start the timer here and uh, we'll get started. Okay. So what is your favorite race distance overall? Iron Man. Love the long stuff. Perfect. What's your go-to pre-race breakfast? Ooh, usually, um, Oatmeal with peanut butter and maple syrup and an egg. Oh, nice. And what's your favorite Super League course? Uh, 
you know what? I loved the Super League Singapore bike course. Super technical, the chicane and corners, and that that was a lot of fun. Beauty. And uh, what's your best or easiest discipline for you between the swim, bike, and run? Uh, probably the bike. Awesome. And who is your favorite uh, Super League triathlete for both the male and the female side uh, that you might expect to win next season? Oh, like who's up and coming? Um, I'd say Taylor Spivey was really exciting to watch this year. I think she's definitely going to make some make some headway there. And up and coming on the men's side, uh, Tyler Mislichuk has really been tapping that door. It'd be him or Hayden Wild. Of course, he's shooting up the Super League ranks. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Good picks. And then uh, the most beautiful place you've traveled? Probably Thailand. That was gorgeous to train in. Awesome. Oh, very cool. And then last question, uh, who's your biggest influence in triathlon? Um, I'd have to say Maka. Um, yeah, he's been kind of a mentor to me since I got into triathlon. It's been fun to kind of trade and race around the world with him. Awesome. Very cool. And I guess, you know what? I always ask this one, so I can't not. Now, do you use Zwift or do you ever do any Zwift racing? I've, I've used it on and off. I haven't done any Zwift uh, racing, but honestly, usually I'm using like Netflix or watching movies when I'm on the trainer. <laughs> awesome. That's no, perfect. And a lot of people do that too. That's, that's funny. Some people uh, swear by Swift and couldn't do anything else. And then other people, they have to listen to, listen to a podcast, listen to music or watch TV, something. So it's, that's cool. Either way works. <laughs> from uh, from awesome. being the trainer so long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. I mean, that's a wrap. So obviously I can keep going all day, but uh, sure, you got a busy rest of the day plan. So it won't keep you here any longer, but who are your sponsors this year? And do you have any sort of training partners or MX partners you want to give shout outs to? Sure. Um, so this year, lucky I've been supported by a few companies that are helping me kind of reach this crazy Kona goal. Um, obviously we talked about Ventum. Uh, Triumph Multisports, my local triathlon store here. Cranked Bike Shop is is getting Venus all dialed in this year. And I uh, just hooked up with Envy Wheels, so I'll have some fast race wheels this year, which I'm so excited about. And then a lot of the companies I work with are just kind of around recovery, because for me to do my best in the sport, I, I have to be able to move well, and I don't have time to train more, so <laughs> I have to make sure I make the most of the training I am doing. So Intrinsy kind of does my physio and bike fitting. Uh, Jeff Hughes, my fascial stretch therapist and uh, Pete health does my chiropractic. And then always have to give a shout out to my coach Lucho. Um, he's actually from the endurance planet podcast, but he has, yeah, I had to convince him to work with me in the beginning. But <laughs> he's been my coach since the beginning here when I came to him and said, I've, I've done one triathlon. I want to do Ironman this year. <laughs> and he's definitely, yeah been there through all the ups and downs and pregnancy and everything so he's been awesome awesome that's amazing no very cool and i mean so for those who don't already follow you out there sort of where's the best place they can sort of find out more about you and uh, follow you sure so i'm all over instagram all the time at Air, and uh on that facebook or my website is jennisair.com uh luckily my parents gave me a unique name so it makes it easy for social media names all <laughs> Dennis Air. <laughs> that's true. Awesome. Hey, that's perfect. And I mean, thanks again for coming on the show. Obviously I had a lot of fun and uh, love talking to you about the Super League. You have a ton yeah, of incredible yeah. stories and it was a lot of fun. So appreciate that. Yeah. It was a good time. Always happy to chat with a fellow Canadian too. For sure. Yep. <laughs> that's what makes it. Eh? Perfect. So, I mean, uh, other than that, definitely we'll have you on the show again, talk lots more about the Super League as uh, the series sort of comes forward. So we're looking forward to that. And obviously best of luck with Ironman Cork. I think uh, we'll all be rooting for you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Awesome. Take care. Bye. Well guys, there you have it. Jenna Seafried has such amazing tips and stories and she's just incredible with everything she's involved with in the Super League. Now, thanks so much for sharing all that, Jenna. And I'm so glad we can have you on the show. Now guys, if you want to hear more podcasts like these, then hit that subscribe button and you can follow me on Instagram at pacing.and.racing. And you can also check us out on YouTube by searching Pacing Racing. Now, also be sure to put this as a bookmark on your browser because coming soon is the Pacing and Racing website, which is pacingracing.com, where you'll find everything you need for triathlon training, news, motivation, and community, and more. So if you sign up for the email newsletter on the homepage, you'll be first notified when it officially launches. And lastly, if you did like this episode, please take two minutes to leave a kind review on the podcast channel as this helps us get heard by more listeners through the podcast platform algorithms. Now, that's it, guys. Thanks. A lot, and we'll talk to you next time.